afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are broadcasting from the Nebraska State Fair. It is the full week of the fair now as we kicked off, of course, last on Friday. Lots of great conversations, lots of great folks stopping by our booth to talk. No surprise about what's happening with the markets. We're going to take some of those uh, st- folks that stop by. We'll take some of their comments as we talk with Jeff Peterson today with Heartland Farm Partners. Saw some higher numbers on the grain, at least in the corn and the beans. It was that wheat complex that saw the negativity once again. And, and no surprise, Jeff. Uh, and it's the first thing we're going to talk about is this pro-farmer numbers. But let's kind of look at the numbers. What did you think when you looked at all of them? Well, what I what I do appreciate about the numbers is the fact that between corn and soybeans, they would have pulled nearly, you know, 3,600 samples across those seven states that they sample within. And the other thing about it is that the fact that since uh, in the August WASI report, we no longer have them out in the field, NAS out in the field, doing their setting up their plots and, and actually, you know, looking at the actual field samples. Yeah, I think it is good to have the pro farmer numbers. So I appreciate the fact of the numbers they pulled together. You know, as we started digging into them, you know, the 172 yield on the corn side, the 49.7 on the beans, you know, that was actually a little bit lower than I thought they would come in. But I think the thing that it, it stressed to me this year is that just looking at it, it's really this year, and it's not this case every year, it's really telling us a lot about the potential of the crop. Now, normally we always talk about their soybean number always talks about the potential, but I, I think the corn and the soybean number both address the potential side this year because weather is going to determine even more so this year how that final yield turns out, Susan. Well, and you were a part of the tour, correct, this year in some of the analysis discussion? Uh, no, I wasn't okay. part of the tour. I did have a chance to attend. Uh, I was out at the Grand Island meeting, and I was also in the Nebraska City meeting. So it was it was great to have a chance just to hear the comments. What I like about going, and if no one's ever had a chance to go, I'd, I'd recommend that they do it. You know, you can go online and you can see them release their numbers. What what I like to hear is I like to hear the scouts and what they talk about, and you know, some of those individual pieces of information are sometimes some things you don't get a chance to hear unless you're actually at the meeting. So. And you do bring up a good point because, you know, like I mentioned at the beginning, they called it the optimistic tour because everybody is optimistic. We're going to see some good numbers. And as we talked about last week, this tour takes the same route every year to give them the good comparison year to year, correct? Uh, yeah, they do. You know, they aren't going to necessarily be in the same field every year by no means, but they definitely are, t- are traveling those same routes and are going to pull approximately about the same amount of samples depending on you know, the year. Now, the other thing that I do appreciate is their, their methodology gives us, you know, similar results from year to year, too. We know on the, on the pod side, they're, they're going to physically, or on the soybean side, they're going to pull any pod that they see when they do their counts of those three plants in that area that they mark off out in the field. Anything that's over a quarter inch long, they're going to count. Now, what we do know is that some of those quarter inch long pods that they would have physically counted the beginning of last week, by the time they got to the end of the week, they were no longer there. Those are already been aborted and then over on the corn side what's nice is that we're really just kind of getting linear inches so of because you think about it when they pull those ears and they bring them back in they're counting the rows they're measuring the length and and then ultimately they're figuring out ultimately how many ears they've got in their 30-foot plots and then they're dividing by their row length and they're coming up really with a yield for us. Now, what that yield doesn't take into account, though, is it doesn't take into account the test weight or the fill, and that's something that's definitely going to get hurt this year. Uh, it got hurt last week because of the weather that we ended up having, but just based on the weather we've got coming at us and the, and how quickly this, this crop is coming to maturity, it's, it's also going to hurt the yield going forward. 
So how does this compare to the final numbers then that we will see come from USDA? Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, ultimately we get these numbers and the big question becomes, okay, so what do we do with it? Do we do we compare to basically the August number? Do we compare to the September or we compare to the final? And, and ultimately at the end of the day, you know, prices are going to be driven by your, first of all, what, what happens here in the September report, but ultimately compared to the final number. But if we dig into the final, let's just kind of talk about that a little bit. And in past years, what we would see is that normally the pro farmer number versus the August number, um, I'll touch on that first, would be about 2.9 bushels underneath. Um, they'd be two pro farmer would normally be about 2.4 bushels lower than the August number. And when we compare pro farmer to the final number, that would be about 2.4 bushels less. Now, there are years, and that's on the corn side. Let me go over and touch on the soybean side, then I'll come back and add additional comments here. So pro farmer versus the August number, usually they're going to come in about three-tenths of a bushel underneath. And then on pro farmer versus the final on soybeans, they're going to come in about eight-tenths of a bushel underneath. But one of the things that I think this year we have to look at, there are years where we're higher and lower. And I, I think what this year is going to do is that this particular year, because of the way their methodology works, you know, I, I think we're ultimately going to end up having the final numbers going to come in underneath what their pro farmer number is, and, and which would be a flip from the way it normally is. And and so we're we're going to have to keep a close eye on that one, Susan. Well, and I, and I think it's interesting too that that you stress, and I think people forget about the USDA doesn't have those folks out in the field like they used to. So that really does change our our look as to what we're going to see in these numbers as we move closer and closer to harvest. Yeah, you're exactly right. That was the case for August. Now in the September report, uh, then uh, you know NAS will be out in the field. So as a matter of fact, they're in the process of setting up their plots now, and they'll be out in the field. They'll be taking stand counts. They'll be looking at years. They'll be evaluating the years. And honestly, once the years are far enough along, they get all the way to the black layer, then they'll actually physically be weighing the years also. So we can look forward to that in September. Very much so. It'll give us something exciting to talk about when those USDA numbers are released. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to come around for the second half of the Fontenelle final bell as we get ready. We'll continue to get some final takeaways of the Pro Farmer crop tour of last week and some of the factors as we look at these markets going forward. We'll also answer some questions that came from folks who made the stop here at our booth at the Nebraska State Fair. And of course, when we come back, we will also take a look at what some of the marketing plans might be. Hard to believe, but we know silage is underway, which means our harvest is just around the corner. More is coming up from the Nebraska State Fair. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Summer is going fast and Husker Harvest Days is right around the corner. Please join us one final year in the Fontenelle Tent at the show September 12th through the 14th near Grand Island. There's plenty to talk about, including the merger into the new Channel Seed brand, our proven performance potential, and an expanded corn portfolio for 2024. So stop and see Fontenelle at Husker Harvest Days. The same local commitment with new possibilities. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlegoes. We broadcast from the Nebraska State Fair, and Jeff Peterson continues to join us with Heartland Farm Partners. So let's kind of wrap up your thoughts on the on the Pro Farmer Tour. What was kind of your your takeaway when you look at the tour? 
Yeah, so as we we dig into the numbers, one of the things I kept hearing as a, as they talked at the the different at the two events I was at out at Grand Island, Nebraska City, is is the fact that as they looked at the soybean pods, and we heard this across other places too, they just aren't filling as fast as we've seen some other years, and that's a little concerning because the soybeans. I really felt good about the soybean yield, you know, probably about. Uh, you know, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, because of the rainfall that had fallen in many areas. But then we had the weather that we had this last week, and, and I'm concerned that some of those pods that, it, you know, they would have sat uh, uh, could have been aborted or we physically are not filling the way we should. So I, I think the soybean yields got the most vulnerability there to go down on the yield side. And and the other thing I think about is, is the fact that you know, the soil moisture levels in the soil, because we, we did start off the season so very dry, I think our soil moisture is a little lower, at least in the western corn belt, than what we'd have normal years. So as a result, uh, and especially with this weather we've got this last week and what's coming at us, you know, it's going to make the, the yield come down a little bit, even from where basically ProFarm reported. So then I look back and I say, okay, Susan, is there a particular year that stands out to me? And and I go back to 2020. Now, I don't know if we're going to have the exact same finish, but it's kind of setting up that way. Um, we're going to have a, a few areas that maybe that were a little wetter in the eastern part of Iowa in 20 that this year is probably going to be a little drier. But what stands out to me there in 2020, when I looked at the Pro Farmer number compared to the USDA final yield, Pro Farmer reported 5.5 bushels higher than what the final yield is. And then over on the bean side, they reported 2.3 bushels higher than the final yield. And as I look back for some, through some other years, when we have the drier conditions and when we have a, a harder time, you know, less moisture when we're going through that final fill stage, what ends up happening then is that that's where Pro Farmer ends up being higher than where the final yield is. And I think, as I mentioned before, that's going to be the case. So that's what we're going to be watching really close and will be reporting on going forward, Susan. So speaking of uh, moving forward, what is the market going to focus on now besides the weather and upcoming USDA reports and obviously harvest? Yeah, I think there's probably, you know, if we take a look at like our top three things here, they're going to be watching this weather extremely close, as we've mentioned. And and the weather that we've got in front of us isn't real favorable to the finish. We've got some warmer conditions coming in later in the week. We don't have a lot of rainfall that's scheduled out there across really the whole Corn Belt. So the weather is going to be very closely monitored. In addition to that, we're going to be watching the demand. How does demand stacked up? And, and I think what we're going to find is that as we look at the old crop, that 2022 crop, that crop year ends here on August 31st of 2023, what we're going to find with that is as we looked at our export inspection, there's been some concern, are we going to end up hitting USDA numbers? Now, there's a little bit more to that story, Susan, and the rest of that story gets to be as actually we talk about export inspections, but there's also the census numbers, which actually captures anything that may have went out by rail you know, to Canada or into Mexico or by truck to either of those places. And when we incorporate all those numbers, it sure feels like we're going to be slightly higher than what USDA was forecasting for both the corn and soybean side on the export side. Now, the other thing right with that, though, is that everybody in the market's going to be watching very closely. Do we start seeing some more exports show up on both the corn and the soybean side and also on the wheat side going forward for our new crop bushels? Those bushels we're going to be harvesting here shortly. And, and I think we will see that pick up. And the reason I believe that's going to pick up is I think overall is that it's really just been, uh, you know, China has been buying a little bit more here lately. I think we're getting more competitive on price. 
when we compare where we're priced at versus where South America's at. And South America right now has a supply. They're in a the process of just about running out of soybeans on the export side. On the corn side, they've still got a very good supply of corn, but we're getting competitive. So I think we're going to start seeing that continue to step up on the new crop sales and then we got to keep a very close eye on what's going on over in ukraine and with russia and in particular in those areas what we have to really look at those we've got to see is there anything going on that impacts bushels getting shipped out so for instance that could be any type of activity that ukraine does up there on the rostov oblast up on the azov sea area that's a major area that russia ships bushels out or also down on some of the major ports that russia has there on the black sea or over in particular with ukraine if is there any type of attacks that happen on the rail lines or anything that happens down there on the danube so so those are some of the high highlight items that we got to keep an eye on susan well, and that last comment you made uh, real quick just answered a, a person's question that stopped by here at the booth, and that was what was going to happen with this wheat complex and global issues. So you nailed that one right on the head. You bet. And, and on the wheat side, unfortunately, the, you know, wheat is just such a global market, Susan. Very well put. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Jeff? You bet. Give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on X at Jeff Peterson, 01. And for the other folks that don't know, that's Twitter. Thanks so much, Jeff, for joining us today. As we always remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers in the World Radio Network.